Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew uh, chapter 4, and then we'll be moving to chapter 24. But first of all, the book of Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Everybody say the gospel of the kingdom. And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Then if we would go to Matthew 24 and verse 14. And Jesus said, this gospel, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations. And most of the time when you see the word nations mentioned in the Bible, it means races. All nations, and then shall the end come. So Jesus began preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and he concludes by telling us that the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in all the world before this thing winds up. So tonight I want to teach and talk to you about the king, his kingdom, and his gospel. The king, his kingdom, and his gospel. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We ask God that you would be gloriously seeking and studying and searching scripture. For in them, God, we find your truth. And they witness to us the revelation of Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. We give you praise. Let everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. You ever thought in your mind about just what a little speck we are in the grand scheme of the universe? You ever step out into the night sky and you see the stars and you think, wow, who are we? Consider the order with which the universe operates. Consider how God has rearranged so much and put things in order. Bring it down to earth. The earth is tilted on its axis at a perfect 23.5 degrees that allows the world to experience seasons. Without that tilt, part of the earth would be experiencing unbearable heat and part of it unbearable cold. Without this perfect tilt, most of Europe and North America would, would see prolonged darkness in the winter and prolonged daylight in the summer. Without the, the tilt, uh, life on most of the earth's surface 
would be intolerable. But God had a plan. God had a plan. Think about the complexity of the solar system and the expanse of the far-flung galaxies. Think about the minute molecule and and the, the compound structure of the unseeable atom. God created that. He created the order. He created everything and put it into place. All of creation points to divine plan. All of creation says that God is intentional and he has purpose and order. Go to the oceans and see the unique creatures that are in the seas and around the oceans. Consider the beauty of the graceful dolphin as it as it leaps out of the air, or the, or the tiny seahorse that looks so strange. Consider the 170-ton blue whale, or the elaborate coral reef that most of us will never see unless you're a scuba diver like Brother Lebanon. All of space, land, and sea came into existence by the word of God. He spoke it and it was there. All designed from one end of the universe to the other. All designed by God's word. He said, let there be light and there was light. He had a plan. He had a purpose for things to come into place. Things that would would reproduce after their kind. Amen. It would then be ridiculous to think that God would do that with the universe and then come to man and say... (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do with him. Maybe he thinks that somewhat today about man's character. But when he made man, he didn't just speak man into existence. He took dirt and formed man with his own hands, as it were, bringing man together. Humanity is the centerpiece of God's creation. So if he put that much time in the universe and making sure the earth is at the exact perfect tilt, amen, how much more does he want to do something with people on the planet that he created? God has a plan. God has a plan for man. God had a plan for man when he created man. God had a plan for man when he made man. He made man to fulfill a comprehensive and strategic purpose. The plan is revealed to us in the Bible in the form of a kingdom. His kingdom is the central part of God's plan. Creation was established so that his invisible kingdom in the spirit world could have be, be revealed in a visible realm within the expanse of earth, of the world. Amen. The kingdom is God's plan from Genesis to Revelation. I want to tell you that God never had a plan for failure. God's plan was never for failure, yet man failed. Adam failed, but God's plan from Genesis to Revelation is very clear. God knew all along that man would make the mistake, but he gave Adam the choice. He loved us so much that he gave us free will to pick and choose whether we would follow his plan or not. Consider with me for a moment 
The world we live in is so messed up. We have so much influence of evil around us. You just turn on whatever you want to turn on, and you just got to turn it right back off. Consider just a minute, everywhere you, where you work, there's so much impact of evil and temptation all around us. Now, Adam and Eve had none of that except one commandment. Adam and Eve had lived in a perfect world, and they messed up. But it was not God's original plan for man to mess up. So when, when man chose to mess up, God had seen that he would need to step in. When we study the Bible, the Bible is about a king and his kingdom. Amen. The plan of God is not about a religion. You've heard me say that before. I say it again. The Bible is not about a religion. It is about a relationship. It is about a king and the story of his, his family. The scriptures reveal how the king, immortal and invisible, created man and woman to establish his rulership on this earth. God created a visible world that would mirror the invisible world. The kingdom of God would be a government, amen, not a religion. So what's the difference between a religion and a kingdom? What is the difference between a government and a religion? The kingdom refers to God's comprehensive plan for humanity. Religion refers to man's organized attempt to discover that purpose. Religion is man's attempt to find God. And the kingdom is God's reaching for man. People say, why are there so many religions in the world? Why are there so many? Because everybody's trying their own way to find God when the king has already got a plan that he come after us. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. We just simply need to find his message and obey his gospel. Religion relies on traditions, rituals, and self-righteousness. The kingdom is based on truth, rights, principles, precepts and laws, and the righteousness of God. Religion focuses on organization and systems of hierarchy. The kingdom is based upon alignment and authority. Religion takes worship and prayer and fasting, giving and other activities and turns them into an ineffective ritual. But the kingdom takes worship and prayer and fasting and giving and makes them the keys of connecting with the king and his covenant. It matters how you see your relationship with God. Religious people come to church on Sunday and live differently on Monday. But kingdom children of God live like that all the time. So the kingdom of God is a government, not a religion. The kingdom of God is a government, not a religion. Let's talk for a minute about the king and his kingdom. There cannot be any kingdom without a king. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17. Praise God. Somebody say amen. amen. I may have to come down there and pour water on you if you don't say amen. <laughs> Praise God. Look at 1 Timothy chapter uh, 1 and verse 17. The Bible says, Now unto the king, say it with me, 
eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Unto the king. He's the king. He's the king of all time. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Revelation tells us that. Amen. He's the king of the ages. He's the sovereign and only king. The Bible here says he is the king eternal. He is timeless. Time does not constrain him or limit him. He has always been king. He didn't have to be coronated. He always was king. He created time, therefore he masters time. Amen. He rules time as he does the universe. The Bible tells us the Lord is king over uh, forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. Amen. The, the psalmist said, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom forever and ever. He is the king eternal. Amen. It also says that he is the king immortal. That means he is imperishable, incorruptible, death could not stop him. The grave could not hold him. Amen. Sin could not tarnish him. Therefore, he has the victory over death, hell, and the grave. We understand that he is the king that possesses all power. All power. Amen. There is no other like him. Kings have come and gone, yet he remains. He has no successor. Amen. Therefore, he is the eternal king of glory. He created us so we can be assigned our purpose. He can tell us who we are. He can tell us what we're to do. He redeemed us as master, lord, and king. He is the king immortal. He is also the king invisible. That is, he is unseen, and yet he's there. We say that again. He is unseen, yet he is there. Moses did not fear the wrath of the king of Egypt because by faith he saw the invisible king of glory. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. The word king in the Greek speaks about the foundation of power. A king is the source of power. He is the source of power. Therefore, he sets the standard for the kingdom. He embodies the kingdom. If there is no king, there can be no kingdom. Amen. So wherever the king is, there's the kingdom. Wherever the king is, there's the kingdom. The kingdom represents the king embodiment. It is the personification of his government. Amen. The word kingdom refers to a king and his domain. Kingdom. Kingdom. What is a kingdom? One writer wrote it like this. The kingdom is the governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his personal will, purpose, and intent, producing a culture, values, morals, and lifestyles that reflect his desires and the nature for his citizens. Let me tell you what the psalmist said about the king. Psalm 103, 19. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. 
Psalm 145, 13. The kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. In Psalm uh, 24 and 7, it says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, be lifted up ye everlasting doors, and the king, capital K, the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Amen. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in who is the king of glory the lord of hosts he is the king of glory can you praise him for a moment here can you praise the king for a moment is he your king is he your lord hallelujah Now the word of God, when you study the word of God, you will, re, re, you will find out the kingdom is spoken of as both now and to come. The kingdom is both here and to come. You will find that the kingdom is near and also in heaven. Amen. You will find that the kingdom is here. And I know a lot of people get confused in talking about the kingdom. And, and, and it's not all about heaven, but neither is it all about earth. There are those that teach the dominion theology, or the dominion theory as they call it, that says that they take the verse, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, to mean that we are actually bringing the kingdom of God down here, and there is no uh, heaven, there is no uh, uh, glory. And I say, man, you guys are short-sighted and ignorant because he said that he was the king of this world but he's also the king of the universe the king of heaven he's the king of the new Jerusalem amen and that is not here if this is heaven <laughs> if this is heaven I sure hate to see hell When you consider kingdoms, they have certain characteristics before they could be a kingdom. They have to have a king, a sovereign ruling authority. Kingdoms have to have a territory or a kingdom, a domain where that king rules. Kingdoms have a constitution that is written by the king, a covenant, if you please, written by the king that tells his citizens, the community of subjects, how to live. I want to tell you, we're not just subjects. We are sons and daughters of the king. Hallelujah. He's not just running over us like some bad story or bad movie of Robin Hood and a bad king. No, he is the king that loves his children. We are sons and daughters and of God and citizens of the kingdom. Amen. For there to be a kingdom, there must be citizens. And we are that. We find there must be laws, acceptable principles, privileges, rights, and benefits. Amen. For there to be a kingdom, there has to be a culture, an acceptable lifestyle, uh, procedures and conducts for there to be a kingdom. For there to be a kingdom, there has to be an army, a security force. Amen. And we have that in this kingdom. There are customs. There are attitudes and habits and ethics that are part of a kingdom. Amen. And also a kingdom has what is called the commonwealth of a kingdom. What does that mean? It has an economic security. 
There is not going to be a depression in this kingdom. There's not going to be a, a, an economic breakdown in this kingdom because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He said, all this earth is mine. Hallelujah. And I thank God for this kingdom. Jesus said, when asked by Pilate about his kingdom, Jesus answered Pilate in John 18 and 36. Notice what Jesus said. My kingdom makes him king. I said it makes him king. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then when my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. The kingdom is not a natural kingdom, so it's hard for natural minds to understand it. Amen. But he did not deny that there was a kingdom and that he was king. Our king is not revealed by flesh and blood, but by the Spirit of God. For we find out that the revelation of Jesus Christ is that he was he was born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, but of God. That's the nature of his kingdom. Amen. We find that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15. Amen. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So it is not a kingdom of natural understanding. It is a spiritual kingdom in a natural world. We do things different. Kingdom citizens do things different. We act different. We do things different. We have different customs. Amen. We have different conducts. Our culture is different. We live in a kingdom that we have a kingdom life. Not a religious life, but a kingdom life. I'm living the kingdom life, not a religious life. We're not slaves to the king. We're sons and daughters of the king. We pray, thy kingdom come. We're not only speaking of future tense in heaven, but we're praying that God would establish his authority in this world. Amen. I realize that we are here in a world that is of a different nationality, a different government, a different mindset. But oh, when you begin to serve the king, all of a sudden your life begins to change. You look at things differently. What is happening? I I'm part of another country. I take on other customs, other habits. When we evangelized, that was true living in the United States. You go down south, and they'd say, radiators. You go up north, particularly up the east coast, and it was radiators. Don't understand that. But it's different cultures, different concepts. That's why the world looks different to you when you get born again. The world looks different. Hollywood looks different. Media looks different. Conversations look different. Because all of a sudden you begin to take on a governmental influence from the king. Let's talk about the message and the mission of our king. Look at Isaiah chapter 9. The prophetic words from Isaiah Isaiah 9 and 6, speaking of the Messiah, speaking of the Christ, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the, what? Say it. The government shall be upon his shoulder. 
not the religion, the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and establish with judgment, with justice, from henceforth, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord's host will perform this. Amen. You will find that the essence of God's word is about his kingdom, to establish his kingdom, his authority. And where man messed up, Jesus came to bring it so man could again fit into the kingdom of God. For he looked at Nicodemus and he said, except you are born of water and spirit, you cannot enter church. Did he say church? Did he say membership? Did he say ALJC? WPPP, whatever alphabet suit you want to call it. No, he said, except you are born of water and of spirit, you cannot enter. You cannot enter the kingdom. Woo. Hallelujah. John the Baptist stepped onto the scene, and you know what his message was? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he was saying. You need to repent, get baptized for repentance, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was led by the Spirit, and the in, in, at, the, at the beginning of his ministry, he went into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan. And after he came out triumphant over 40 days of fasting and, and victory over Satan, he came out, and what was his very first thing that he said? Look at Matthew 4 and 17. The first recorded message of Christ is this. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Just like tag team from John the Baptist to Jesus. The message was the same. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is Jesus saying? Change your life. Change your thinking. There's something about to happen, and it's called the kingdom. It's here. Everything that Jesus did pointed to this purpose of reinstituting the kingdom and bringing redemption to man, restoring man back to God's rightful intention. And he said, on earth now, I want you to do this now. If all it was was to get us to heaven, then when we are filled with his spirit, he would just rapture us then. If that was, if that was all there was, was something in the heavenlies. But he said, no, I want my people to live differently, to live victoriously. I want them to overcome Satan. Amen. Right here in this location. Somebody say hallelujah. This is what he has come to say. To bring to us the kingdom. To reinstitute the kingdom of God in the hearts of man was his mission. Look at this. Luke 1. Verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. 
And then he said this, the angel said this, and speaking of Jesus, he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Isn't that what Isaiah prophesied? His government, his kingdom, there shall be no end. Then you find Jesus throughout his ministry referring repeatedly to the kingdom. He said we are to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. He said, look at Luke chapter 4 and verse 43. And he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Jesus said, I've come to proclaim the kingdom of God. He said in that one of my favorite verses is Matthew 6 and 33, but seek ye first the seek ye first the kingdom of God. That means seek his culture, seek his laws, seek his provisions, seek rights in the kingdom. Seek righteousness in the kingdom. Find out his covenants in the kingdom. Seek it first. You know, we got a problem right now in America, and I'm sidebarring, and I'm going to get back to my message in a minute. I'm going to sidebar for a moment. We got a problem with people that don't want to go back to work because during COVID, they, 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 they took handouts from the government. Seek ye first the USA. Y'all just sit home, eat bonbons, play your video games, and we're going to pay you. Like a mother cow. Just hop, hop on up. We'll take care of you. Lord, have mercy. I don't know what I want to say after that. Well, I know what I want to say. Stop seeking the government for your help. Hallelujah. I, I, had, I had pastors that rightfully took in uh, a special uh, uh, whatever during COVID and all this, but we didn't need it. Our offerings went up during COVID. Ties went up during COVID. Many of you got raises during COVID. I wish somebody would just take a shout and a lap. I would love to run around here just about three times. Seek ye first the kingdom. Here, here, again, I'm not through sidebar. I'm still on my sidebar. People that don't follow kingdom principles do not get kingdom blessings. Let me say it again. People who don't follow kingdom principles do not get kingdom blessings. I have watched people that were unsaved, faithfully tithe, and God blessed their business. God blessed their life. Why? Oh, they're unsaved. No, somewhere mama taught them, grandma taught them, somewhere they got it that, oh, I should be doing my tithes. Kingdom principles come with kingdom blessings. Somebody say amen. amen. Look at the message of Jesus. John 4, 23. Jesus went about all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and doing what? Healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. One thing that I have yet to find, maybe, maybe we could get somebody that can 
find something different. But I've yet to find that Jesus went about preaching about healing. But he preached about the kingdom and healed folk. (laughs) Praise be to God. If you preach this, you get what comes with this. If you preach this and live this, you get what comes with this. Somebody say amen. Amen. Look at Luke chapter 8, talking about the message. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village doing what? Preaching and showing. Say that with me. Preaching and showing. The glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him. They listened to him as he preached and showed the good news of the kingdom. Break down with me just for a minute the word preach and the word showing. The word preach and the word showing. The word preach is the word keruso, which means to herald or to be a herald, to proclaim in the manner of a herald, always with the suggestion of formality, gravity, and authority. To publish, proclaim openly. That's what preach in the Greek means. The word show is a Greek word that means to bring good news, to announce glad tidings, the joyful tidings of God's kindness, the message of the Messiah, to proclaim glad tidings or instruct men concerning the things pertaining to salvation and the kingdom. The verb preach, caruso, emphasizes to proclaim as a herald, but the but the, the word showing places emphasis on the message of good news. Showing expresses and stresses content while preach emphasizes the manner and the authority of the proclamation. <laughs> Woo! I have so much I want to talk about that, but maybe some other time. Uh, Charles Swindle wrote about this word preach, caruso, which means he, uh, preach. He, he said, an official representative of the king would announce the king's message to the realm or to a specific purpose. The herald enjoyed the protection of the king as he carried out his duty. To harm a herald was to invite the wrath of the court. So when Jesus went about preaching and the disciples went about preaching, they were acting as the herald of the king. They were acting as the emissary of the king, standing in authority. That's why I think you ought to be careful what you call yourself a preacher. Because you're operating in an authority that only comes from the king. But when you look at what he is saying, it is the showing. So he not only preached, he delivered. He not only came in authority, he came in message. He taught the good news with authority. Amen. That's the mission and the message of the kingdom. To preach and to show. 
Amen. Jesus continued to instruct his disciples throughout his ministry on earth about the kingdom. And he was so intent about this that even after his resurrection, you will find him 40 days after his resurrection, his resurrection doing something very incredible. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse number 3. Acts 1 and 3. Speaking of Jesus, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion or his resurrection by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days. And notice what he taught them, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He taught them after his resurrection for 40 days about what the kingdom meant. No wonder when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and declared, repent and be baptized every one of you. He was standing with the eleven. One of the most powerful scenes is Peter is not preaching some isolated message that's just his idea or just for the Jews of that day. He is preaching with those that had sit at the feet of a resurrected king as he is declaring to them, this is what my kingdom's about. It has got to be understood as a cohesive gospel or it's no gospel at all. The gospel of the kingdom is the comprehensive plan of the king for the redemption of man and to reveal himself to man. Matthew recorded what Luke recorded just a little bit different. He said Jesus went about all the cities and villages preaching or teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. When the gospel of the kingdom is preached, signs follow. When the gospel is preached, miracles happen. You will look throughout Scripture and you will find others. Look at Paul who taught about the kingdom. The Bible tells us that that, that he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three days, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Acts 19 and 8. Hallelujah. You will find that also in Acts 20, he preached the kingdom of God in verse 25. In Acts 28 and 23, he's testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both of the law of Moses and the prophets from morning until evening. How'd you like to be in that Bible study? I don't know, is that the time the guy fell asleep? Acts 28, 30 and 31, he's preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidden. No one forbidding. You go to the, the verse that we began with in Matthew 24. It says, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. I wish I could say I was pro, proficient in Bible end time prophecy. I'm not. When I get all the charts figured out, I'll let you know. I don't know if Matthew 24 is about the Jews, about the church, but I do know the gospel is going to preach in all nations and then the end come. The gospel of the kingdom. That's why we support missionaries. The gospel, the message. 
That's why we come to church on Tuesday night. It's about continuing the mission, the gospel. That's why we go to church on Sunday morning and and Sunday night. That's why we live throughout our days on our jobs, living out the gospel of the kingdom. Why? We're a part of preaching that gospel around the world until the day He comes. And one of these days, He is coming back. Amen. And when He comes back, He's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords, not as a defeated foe, but rather triumphant in victory. Revelation 11 and 15, it speaks about that when he says, The seventh angel sounded, and there was a great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are, are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. The message is a changing message. It's a life-changing message. We call it the gospel because it is good news. It is the message of the king. It has to deal with his kingdom. You are either in the kingdom or you're not. Paul capsulizes this great transformation in Colossians 1 and 13. He said, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. You see... I was under a raw deal with hell. I was dealing with the prince of darkness. I was dealing with the powers of darkness. As a servant to sin, I was under the oppression of hell. But when I was born again of water and of spirit, I was translated. I was changed, if you please, into the kingdom of God. You see, this is not some abstract thought. This is a reality that when you are born again, you are changed by the power of God. By the power of God. I am convinced a lot of people that get baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost so-called, don't change because they don't want to change. Can I get an amen? They don't want to change. You can go down in water and get wet. But if you don't accept the transformation can't hold on to the kingdom of darkness and want to hold on to the kingdom of God. It's not the way it works. I don't hold dual citizen of darkness and heaven. I may hold dual citizen of United States on this earth and the kingdom of heaven. That's different. But I don't know how some people want to hold on to the world. And they're wondering why they're so oppressed and and, and, and so put out and so have so many problems. It's because they haven't yet been translated. Your faith has got to say yes, but your deliverance has got to say yes. Stand with me, please.
the king, the kingdom, and the gospel. The king, the kingdom, and the gospel. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.